it's all because of you. We, we just delve into your word because we want more. We're hungry for you, Lord. We want more of you. you. We want more of you in our life. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, I just ask that you would be with us tonight, that you would open eyes, ears, and hearts to what you want said, that what you want us to grasp out of your word. I just pray that you would just touch uh, uh, Destiny Church and all of its leadership, and I just pray that you would just touch all the pastors and all those that work behind the scenes, Lord. Just praise praise you for them and their devotion to you. Lord, I pray for each and every person that's out there in internet land uh, and every person that's here. Lord, touch them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, though. Y'all might see me kind of get shocked here in a few seconds. I don't mean electrically, but I may have to switch from this big old iPad. Hopefully, 8% will get me through an hour uh, and then jump to my phone because it's on each one of them and cancel that. But tonight, like I said, we're going to go into the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is important. The first three chapters are really, really important. They, uh, they teach us of a side of God that he is jealous for us, but he also hurts for us. He loves us no matter what. Um, I'm going to go over a few points about Hosea uh, tonight. First, Hosea was the prophet experiencing betrayal and anguish because of his wife's adultery. Uh, the book Hosea is more to do with the divine brokenness than the broken human relationship. This is a an example of how God can be broken over us. So many people think, you know, God, they put, yes, God is God. But he, you got to realize he can be broken over you. He longs for you. If he didn't long for you, if he didn't have that type of love for you, do you think he would have ever sacrificed his son? Only thing God wanted from the fall of man at the garden was to be back in relationship with him. You look at the one man that walked with God every day in the Old Testament. What happened with him? Y'all know who I'm talking about, Enoch. What happened? He walked with them and then was no more. Many people interpret that, that God said, finally, come on home. Brought him, brought him up. God wants relationship with each and every one of us. I can remember my father, my actual earthly father, how much me and him, our relationship was. And I've talked about as he got older, how he got jealous, actually. He would get jealous if I didn't call or if I didn't stop by and see him. Well, guess what? Our God gets jealous if we don't call, i.e. pray. Get in our prayer closet, get in our time alone so we can be at one with him. Our God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God in love. He loves each and every one of us. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. God's in in here. Hosea experiences uh, experience is a rival to God's agony over his people's sin. At the time, there was a lot of stuff happening in Israel. Um, we'll go into that. Hosea began his ministry toward the end uh, of a real more stable king. That was Jeroboam the second, um, despite being an evil king, Jeroboam was strong and capable leader who expanded the boundaries of Israel, uh, not, uh, not seen since David and Solomon. He was one who kept the, kept the nation together, but then Jeroboam died early in Hosea's ministry, and with his death, the comfortable, prosperous world of the Israelites changed quickly. They went through four kings after that. In three decades, they went through four kings after that. Three of them did not die of natural causes. The last one died as an Assyrian uh, 
uh, captured by the Assyrians. It was not even in Israel. Israel at the time had also, uh, with the, with what we call the Northern Kingdom, the Northern Kingdom had gotten had had a lot of they were caught up in a lot of pagan religion anyway. And it had started filtering, and it had started growing. And God was like, no, I'm done. Like he said, he's, he's a jealous God. I understand God doesn't want you worshiping some eagle, some tiger, or some floppy elephant above him. I know that hits home in Alabama. In Tennessee, they don't want you know. Is they don't want you throwing garbage. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was that was bad. <laughs> but God doesn't want stupid stuff, as in SEC football. And I'm sorry if I upset people out there. But it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do. Tomorrow, okay, what happened two weeks ago? Alabama and Auburn both lost, right? Did you wake up the next morning? Yes, you did. Secondly, did you have to go in and see the trainer because you had a bruised thigh, you had a hip pointer, and you had a, 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 a bruised shoulder? No, because you didn't play the football game. It's where people need to realize there are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids out there playing a game, and y'all acting fools over but you won't come in on a Sunday. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting all in on people's business right now. But you won't come in and yell and have a good time and raise your hands and celebrate God. Celebrate Jesus, the one who saved you. I'm sorry, Nick Saban didn't save you at all. Pat Dye did not save any Auburn fan. Bo Jackson didn't save no Auburn fan. Nothing. They will, they will find death in the grave just like each and every one of us. Some of them have. Some of them are headed that way. We will all, unless we're caught up, we're all going to find death in the grave. There's nothing special about these people. They play a sport. But we many times put that ahead of our God and wonder. And this is where Israel was. Well, Israel was caught up in idolatry. No offense because you got your Alabama shirt on. I got Auburn shirts. But guess what? We will spend more money on Auburn. I will spend, I mean, at times I used to spend more money on an Auburn T-shirt, an Auburn hat, uh, Auburn flags to fly on all four windows of my car, a big flag outside my house, a big old monkey I could hit his paw, and he'd start singing the Auburn fight song every time they scored. I had all the chips and dip and everything else and then wonder why I wasn't paying my tithes and why I was having a hard time the next day with my finances. Because I was putting something as stupid as football ahead of my God. And, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you're being, you're being ridiculous. No. Does the Lord say don't watch football? No. But don't put it ahead of him. Do not put it ahead of him. Or something coming up, it started actually five days ago with those of bow hunt. But there's something starting that a lot of the men in the state of Alabama, the, the uh, weekend, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, there a lot of men are going to be in the woods, and they're going to be hunting. And many of them find their way into the woods on Sunday morning. Well, oh, it's it's hunting season. It's only a few months out of the year, and uh, I like, and it's going to be a the moon's full. Uh, we got a cold front coming in, barely any wind. The wind's going to be coming out of the northwest, and my stand's in the southeast. And I, I, my, my green field's right, and I just, I'll, I'll, I'll get back in church another point. You don't think that the stuff in the Old Testament, many people go, well, that's the Old Testament. How can it speak to me today? Israel was in idolatry. Guess what? We can be too. Here's another one for you. I'm getting messy. I'm sorry. Hope y'all's toes don't hurt too bad tonight. Mine do. Guess what? 
If I step on your toes, that means I'm stepping on mine. And that means something good's happening because he's talking. Here's another one. And a lot of us men, some of you ladies might get caught up in this, but a lot of us men, as being the men of our homes or the providers, well, I got a chance for overtime. Who are you trusting in then? You're making that dollar and being the idol in than God. Trust in him. Look, I've done it. She knows. I used to take every time when with the company I worked for when I first started before I got in ministry, and every time they had jobs on the weekend out of town, and I was working that time and a half, double overtime, and everything on Saturday, you know, double overtime on Sundays. I'd be putting up lights in Thomasville, Georgia, at a brand-new surgery center, be getting about 10 hours of work that day, drive home, they're still paying me double overtime. I, hey, I was all over it, and then I was wondering, where's all this money going? Why am I not? Because I wasn't tithing. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to church. I was putting it before God. I was making an idol of it before him. Now, am I saying if you work on Sunday, you're making No, sometimes we're required. Don't say you cannot work. No, first responders, sometimes their shifts roll out on Sundays. Guess what? They're out there protecting you and me. They're standing as they're, they're on watch. Someone's got to be on watch. They didn't call in in the Old Testament. They didn't call in everybody off the watch. There was always someone manning the wall. But they had their time with the Lord. We have to have that time also. We don't need to be caught up in idolatry. Hosea was God's messenger to, con, con, to this confused and frantic nation in its final days before it was taken over. The prophet proclaimed God's coming judgment but he also offered the Israelites a message of hope. God will always offer hope. That's the one thing you need to understand about a prophetic word. A prophetic word is not doomsday. A prophetic word always offers hope. A lot of people always talk about, like, and I was talking with uh, Pastor Kevin that I've been between this and Jonah. You know, Jonah went out there and said, you know, God's going to destroy you. You need to turn. And then he got mad because God didn't destroy him because the city turned. He, gave, he offered up a prophecy, yes, of doom and gloom, but there was hope in the end. Same thing here. A lot of people think, you know, prophetic word is doom, gloom, boom, boom. It's not. There's always the hope. There's always that hope, the positivity. God's not going to give a prophetic word over something. Same thing, you read the last book in the Bible. It's basically a prophetic book telling about the end. And it sounds like, doom, well, we call it the apocalypse. We call it doomsday. We, there's movies based off of it. There's, word, there's all sorts of, but guess what? He gives hope in that, in the end. We win. Amen? So we need to understand that. So let's delve off, or d dive off in here, and we're going to start talking. Uh, we're going to talk about the rejection of Israel and how it was pictured through Hosea's family because that's what's um, coming up first is it's going to talk about Hosea's uh, 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 youngins. And verse 1 through 5, it says, The Lord gave the message to Hosea, son of Bear, during the years of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Je um, Joash, the king of Israel. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Okay, let's just stop right there. I'm not going to get into what she was, but I want to know how many people in this day, if God said, 
go do this, and it was something in that manner would do that. It's tough. Hosea was a, was, he didn't go running and end up getting swallowed by a whale and then do the job. He didn't argue. He did what the Lord asked him to do. So we have a hard time when God says, go pray for somebody across the aisle. I'm there. I'm stepping on my own toes. I do it. Someone just gets pricked on your heart. You're in the middle of worship, praise and worship. And I guarantee you it's happened to everybody in this place. You be in the middle of praise and worship, and somebody gets laid on your heart. And you go, Lord, that no, that ain't, no, no, no. Remember the first, one of the first times it happened to me in this church? It took almost the whole service. There was a young man that was laid on my heart. And finally, at the end of service, I went and prayed for him. We have a hard time doing the simplest of things like that, and God lays stuff on our hearts like that. He tells the prophet to go marry a prostitute. And then it says, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish, the king, to punish King Jehu dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at uh, the first child was named Jezreel, meaning God will scatter. A lot of times when God, now I'm, I want you to understand, a lot of people go, well, we're, you know, Jesus did away with all this. God's going to get your attention in some stuff. I can tell you. He has me. Several times in life. Am I telling he sat there and rained fire and brimstone down on me? No. But he got my attention in several things. He's got my attention in my work. He's got my attention with my family. He's got my attention before. And how he had to get Israel's attention and starting off with is this. Is he had to scatter them. The Assyrian army would soon come and break the power of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. That means that it just broke it up. Remember I talked about how under um, uh, Jeroboam, how militarily the nation of Israel was so tight. They were very, I mean, you think about it in the United States itself. We were one, we were one of the biggest military powers there was for years. There wasn't much that could break us. Two world wars. One theater in one, two different theaters in the second one. No nation could have, should have stood that. Israel was in the same point. They were one of the strongest armies at the time, but he's, God said, and use this uh, child's name to show that, look, Israel, you are fixing a birth your own scattering. The second child's name was Lil Ramah, and let's get into that. Soon, in verse 6, soon Gomer began, became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter, daughter Lil Ramah, which is not love, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgiveness or forgive them, but I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots, but by the power of the Lord, their God. I want you to look at one thing there. It says, and the Lord said, I mean, it says, I will no longer show love. It didn't say I will no longer love my people because he did. 
How many of y'all have ever had to have a little tough love with your children? How many of you ever just, you know, hey, mom, dad, I need, no. Some people say that's, you know, you don't love me no more. Children say that real quick. They don't realize what they're saying, but they'll say it. You don't love me no more. God's love for you is never ending. Does he have to show it? Does he sometimes give tough love? Does he have to play the role of father with you? Yes, he will. I'd rather have a father to correct me than a father who would just let me go. I want a father who will bring on conviction. Now, understand, I'm not saying that he is going to, uh, he's being one who's just going to sit there and just pound on me. No, he is one who's going to convict through the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us. When we get off subject, when we get up when in our walk with Christ, you get that little prick in your heart. You get that little prick, and, you know, that is, he's not chastising us. He's letting us know, and he's disciplining us, and he tries to get us back. Any good father is that way. Unfortunately, this nation, I think that's a problem with this nation, and I'm not going to get on it, but we have some fathers that just don't care anymore. They don't rule, and they don't, I'm not saying rule, but they don't assume their position in the home. And they don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't have tough love. They're more like, here, take, take my credit card and do whatever you want to. Just get out of my hair. I need to get my guns ready because hunting season's coming. The football game's about to come on. You're bugging me. Go on. Go, go down the road. Do something. Instead of being a parent and loving and nurturing like our God is, I'd rather have a God that's going to sit there and correct me and keep me on the path than have to go hunt for me like Jesus talked about the 90, leaving the 99 to go after the one. I don't want to be the one that he's going to have to use his shepherd's hook to pull me up off the side of the cliff and pull me back up onto the path. I want to be the one who's going to hear him, hey, get back over here and hear him, and he correct my path and get me back straight. If you notice, in every time he went after Israel and did things with Israel throughout the Old Testament, he gave warning after warning after warning. And they did not listen. He gives us the same chances. He does it, but he, he's not going to sit there and knock you over the head. You look at the, uh, the prodigal son's father or as I like to call because he's no longer a prodigal son, he's the redeemed heir. But when he went to leave, did dad go, you don't need to be doing this, you're going to do, do yeah, da, da. did he chastise him and just beat him down? He's like, son, do you really? Hey, yes, dad, I want, and boom, he let him have it. He's like, okay. But the whole time, every day, dad was waiting and knowing he was coming back. Dad was waiting and knowing. Dad was still loving him every single day. He's out there and he gets rid of all his wealth and ends up wallowing around with pigs. And we all know that story. And he comes running up. He finally says, I can go work with my daddy's slaves or my daddy's uh, 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 workers. And I can, I can eat off their table and be better off than I am now. And he goes home. And what does he do? Dad sees him, and he meets him, and it's a giant train wreck of love that happens out. As he's walking there, Dad's running after him. Understand, God loves you so much he gave his only begotten son. And when you turn back, if you've had a time where you are not facing him and you're you got to turn back to him understand there's going to be a holy train wreck because he's going to come running just as fast as you do because the only thing he does is long and want to be with you he loves you and you know the the one thing and i heard it here 
I can't remember if it was you, Jazz, or somebody said it here. It's the funny thing about the prodigal son. When dad met him and he gave him that big hug and he put his, what, his robe on him and his ring, where did his son just come from? The pig pen. Did he say, son, go wash yourself first, go get clean, go put some perfume on because you smell bad? Woo, you just, your lifestyle is showing all over you, you stink. Did he do that? No. He met him at his dirtiest, nastiest, foulest, put his arms around him, and said, I'm going to reward you here, here. Even though he, you've already taken the inheritance, you've already get, gotten everything I'd promised that is due to you as being my child, take this. Don't worry about getting cleaned up. This robe is going to make you look clean. It's going to make you clean. You put my ring on. I love you that much. I don't care that you smell like a pig pen. I just love my son and my son's home, and we're fixing to have a party. Amen? And that's what happens when we turn back. When the nation of Israel, God looks for the nation of Israel to turn. He knows that he's going to have to get their attention. Some things aren't going to be great. The prodigal son's father, he didn't send. He could have sent spies to follow his son. This man was rich. He could have sent spies, guys to watch, okay? Let's, wait a minute, he's fixing it. He don't have no food. Let's drop a little food off of here. No, he let him learn a lesson. He's letting Israel learn a lesson. I'm going to scatter you. I'm not going to show you love, but I'm still going to love you. And I'm going to show you that I still love you because your, your northern half, your Judah, I'm still going to love on them. And it's the same love I still have for you, but I'm just not going to show it because i got to get your attention. So we need to understand with that, even in our walk in Israel, they, they had, God had to show tough love. Amen? Next, after that, in verse 8, it says, After Gomer had weaned um, Rama, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son, and the Lord named, said, Name him Lo-Ami, not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at that place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. The third child, again, was named Loami. Lo which means not my people. God no longer recognized Israel as his own. Some also feel the prophet was questioning whether or not the child was his own at the time. Israel had gone to the point to where they had prostituted their selves with other gods and other things to the point God was like, I don't know who you are. Is what he's saying. You're not the nation I brought out. Who are you? Who are you? You are not the the nation that through forty years of being in the wilderness and you ate of my manna and then I, I you crossed over the Jordan and then then you you inherited this land. You're not this nation anymore. Who are you? I don't know if you've ever had any family members that have gone astray or gone off and you don't know who they are anymore. I don't have any brothers or sisters. My brother passed away before I was born. Uh, I've had, I really, I've had some family members and that I remember when I was younger how they were and then as they were older I was like, who are they? They're not my cousin anymore. That's what is being said there. But it's real quickly said that yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, 
too many to count, then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will reunite together, and they will choose one leader for themselves. And they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in the land. In that day, you will call your brothers Ami, my people, and you will call your sisters Rama, the ones that I love. This is restoration, and this is talking same as God's restoration of us. In context, the latter part of the verse 10 clearly applies Israel, but Paul quotes these words in Romans 9, 26 and applies them to the call of the Gentiles. This illustrates the truth that when the Holy Spirit quotes Old Testament verses in the New Testament, he is a law unto himself. Understand that everything that happens here, so many people say he did away with. Jesus did away with the law. I want you to find that scripture. It says he fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. Many times the scripture is used throughout the New Testament, and it, it speaks, and it speaks to us still today. Studying um, Jonah this week reminded me a lot of several years ago when I studied Jonah and how the three days he was in the belly of the whale and what he went through and being wrapped up in the seaweed. I was talking with Pastor Kevin about that. And all of that, a lot of that is a foreshadowing of Christ in the tomb and being wrapped in the grave clothes. Because Jonah's talking about his last breath and everything, and it foreshadowed. That's a foreshadowing of what happens with Christ. You look at what happened with Abraham and Isaac when they go to the mountaintop. He's asked, God says, Sacrifice your only begotten son. Sacrifice your only begotten son. Abraham, old man, does it. I mean, does, takes him, goes up the mountain. He even has his son carry the wood on his back. That's supposed to consume him after he is sacrificed. He places, he ties his son and puts him on the altar. Takes out his knife and raises it. Now, I want you to understand something. They're on a mountaintop. All of this is going on. And not once have they ever seen this ram that's in this bush. You can't tell me God won't step into your situation because I'll tell you this much. Not a ram, but a lamb was sacrificed for us. God stopped Abraham. God will never ask you to do something that he is not going to fulfill. He asked Abraham to give his only begotten son. He stopped him and he gave the ram in its place. That was an example of what would happen when his own son would come to this earth and be sacrificed. A ram wouldn't be given, but this was a spotless lamb. His son, the son is no, knew no sin, but his son would be the ultimate sacrifice. His only begotten son. So many people try to write the Old Testament off, understand we can learn from the Old Testament in so many ways. Does it take the place of the New Testament? No. Does New Testament take the place of the Old? No. God's Word altogether is our guide in life. Amen? Yes. Right. 
We're repeating the Old Testament. We're also walking into the prophecy of the New Testament in the end times. So it's just, it's a big, it's secular. Isn't that how you say it? Yeah. It's just, yes, sir. Yes. Yep. That's the truth. I like that. Those of y'all out there in uh, uh, internet land, uh, Brother Tommy just said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I like that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to steal it. And I'm going to put it in a book somewhere. No. <laughs> but uh, we can learn so much. And you think, okay, this is a prophet that married a harlot and had these children and everything else. And what in the world is this supposed to be an example for me? One, it shows you God will get your attention. God may show that it may not look like he loves you. He always is going to love you. You're always going to be his people. Well, he's talking about the nation of Israel. I think somewhere in the New Testament it told me that I was grafted into the vine. Amen? So we need to understand that what speaks there speaks to us as well as it did Israel. Amen. Now let's go into chapter two. It says charges. It's called in my book. It's called charges against the unfaithful wife, uh, but it's also um, God's warning against Israel's unfaithfulness and His threatened judgment. It says, "But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband." Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing expose her breath. Otherwise, I will strip her naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die and thirst as in the dry and barren wilderness. Again, let's look at uh, verse 1 in the day. I will call your brothers. I mean, in chapter, in verse 1, in the chapter 2 of Hosea, it's told to speak to a faithful remnant of the nation. These brethren are spoken of as Ami, my people, Rama, uh, which, and Rama, she who has obtained mercy. In verse 2 and 3, which I read, says, But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife. In this, you know, this is talking, uh, this is for him. He's talking one to Hosea, and he's like, look, She's prostituted against you. She's, she's brought these children that are not, maybe not even be yours. But he's also given this example of how it is with Israel. And verse 2 and 3, the faithful remnant should plead with the mass of the nations of Israel to put away her idolatry and harlots, and God will strip her naked and bring, um, bring drought upon her. In verse 4 and 5, the children of the sinful nation will also be uh, unpitied because they are children of the harlot who went after false gods. Let's read that. And I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I will run after the other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water and clothing and wool and linen for olive oil and drinks. Understand what he's saying there. That's people today. I was talking about the football. I'm going to run toward that. I'm going to run toward my hunting. I'm going to run toward uh, whatever. It's become your God before God. What you have actually, and I'm going to use the term, prostituted yourself to. And unfortunately, in this state on Saturdays, there's some people, and I used to be that way. You can ask my, you miss Vanessa. I was bad, wacko bad, till God shook me. Now, did he say never watch football again? No, he didn't. But he, I realized that I was putting the football ahead of him. And when this happened was right when I got into ministry and I was a children's pastor. When I should have been prepping and getting my stuff ready for, 
I was caught up watching a little bit too much football and uh, you know the football last football game of the evening go off around 10:30 at night and then I was up one two o'clock in the morning making sure I had all my video stuff ready making sure I had all this ready and I was like what in the world God says if you would take time when you're supposed to when you would study this word like you when you would and I was like and that one year I was like I don't care about football again I saw with my own eyes how I put that ahead I had ministry to do and I was still wanting to watch my football games and take I could read about it it wasn't that important it wasn't those games weren't that important and it shook me and soon Auburn football is Auburn football yes I'll get a little irked during a football game but is it important no I I turned away from the game the, a couple of weeks ago and it, it wasn't just because we were losing I was just like <laughs> because it doesn't drive me I'm not seeking it I'm not prostituting my life to it because that's what we do with things it's not that you're running out. You're actually prostituting your life. You're giving yourself. You're giving yourself away to whatever this is. Israel was giving itself away to false gods and giving it and just to and use the example of the prostitute, how she would prostitute herself for her linens and her oils and all that. You know, we will sit there and do that. You know, for our happy, we'll think, oh, it's our happiness. We'll prostitute ourselves on our pontoon boat. My second church was an eclectic. I was five minutes from Kalaja on Lake Martin. Come summer, you might not even, you shouldn't even ask people. Or, yes, you should ask, but. No, because that pontoon boat meant a lot more to them than God. They were getting their fun. They were getting their fulfillment. They were getting everything that they thought was going to be great to them on that pontoon boat or on that wake boat. I'm not going to get into them. They're destroying the side of the lake. But all that stuff... They were getting that fulfillment. We even tried, I'm going to tell you, we had a campaign. It was called Come As You Are. And we, I had it plastered all over at every store going to, and it was called Come As You Are. I didn't care if they came in flip-flops. I didn't care if they came in their shorts, as long as they didn't show up in their bikinis. I was like, come as you are. I don't, come hear about Jesus and then go get on your boat all you want to. People were finding their fulfillment in going to Chimney Rock and going to Goat Island and going up toward Wind Creek and doing stuff like that instead of giving an hour to an hour and a half to God. It perplexes me. But then I think about before I made my final choice when I decided to get real and really give my life to the Lord I would have my I would be having my fun on Saturday nights and then didn't wake up on Sundays the bed was where I found myself because I was I was recovering and I found myself being tied to it and finding comfort in it instead of one, not doing what I should have been done doing Saturday night, and two, getting my tail up and getting into church. The whole time I was in the Navy in San Diego, California, you don't know how bad I would be convicted on Sundays. I would blow it off, go about my business, but I got convicted every single Sunday. 
my dad many times tried to get me. I think it's, uh, I can't think, Jeremiah, one of, uh, he's a big pastor out there in Southern California in San Diego. He kept trying to get me to go to their church. And, oh, yeah, Dad, I sure will. Nope. I got to stay in my rack. I can't get up about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, I can get up now. No, I give myself to that. But I was, I'd be like, I'd be so convicted. I'd be so convicted. I'd be talking to my mama. I don't know many of y'all, you've been on a pier, Navy pier, with, with uh, phones. And the only thing you hear is the roaring of these ships because they might not be, but they're, you hear generators and it's loud and you got a bank of phones. This is how convicted I would get. I would call my mom, my mom and dad, I'd be talking to them. And my mom, every time before she hung up on me, she, she spoke Psalms 91 over me. Do you know how many times Rick went, Mom, thinking that every guy around me was hearing this. When there's nothing but fans roaring, there's this, unless you've been on a Navy pier with several, this, this we had three aircraft carriers tied up, and it was loud, and you're on the phone like this to even hear right, but I was so convicted because my mom spoke scripture over me. I'm sitting there getting cringes and trying to hide the phone from the other guys because I think they're all hearing me or hearing what my mama said. But I had such a conviction. God will come after you. He may, you may not think it's the most loving thing. What he did to Israel here, you might not think it's the most loving thing, but he got their attention. He's going to get our attention no matter what. Verse 2 talks all about what he's going to do with Israel. But I'm going to go ahead. I just I want to get in to make sure we hit this. I want us to jump to chapter 3 because I could keep talking about how God was going to take out what he's going to do to the nation of Israel. But I want us to get to chapter 3. And this is the redemption of Hosea's wife. And it's the ultimate return of Israel to Jehovah. It says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Understand this. Okay, ladies, I don't, but even ladies, if your spouse was cheating on you, how hard is it for you just imagine, God just told this man she's had children with other men, and what's happened? Go love her again. Go love your wife again. Even though she's committed adultery with other lovers, go love her again. You know how hard that is? It's severely, it's painful. You've got to imagine he was a prophet. Everybody also saw it. We worry about stuff today getting out in the open. Guess what? He was the prophet, and everybody knew what his wife was doing. Everybody. And what does he do? God says, go love your wife again. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. When you hear other people's testimonies of how they slipped or they, they got caught up and fell away from the Lord, but God came after them and loved them no matter what, those are some of the most inspiring. So more than hearing how a person first got saved, it's how a person gets, how God comes back after ones who's already been his sheep. Understand the story. A lot of people say, you know, and this just hit me, the 99 and 1, that was already one of his sheep. 
You ever thought about that? Not that it was a sheep he was going to go get that's out there that should become part of his fold. He left the 99 to go after the one because that was already one of his sheep. Whoa. He left behind, hey, y'all know what to do. Y'all hang out here, eat some green grass. I got to go get this one that's wandered off. It's one of your brothers and sisters. I got to go get them. One of the most driving testimonies I heard was when Eddie James was here. And that former pastor who got arrested and everything, lost his pastorate, ended up, he, he was selling crack and everything else. And God still loved him, loved his son, reinstated both of them, using them both in, in ministry again. And most people, the only thing they want to do is look. You know, if you would have told that story in a lot of mainstream churches today, they were like, he don't need to be on that stage. Yes, he does. Because his testimony spoke a lot to me. Yes, I didn't sell crack, but I... I slid away. I was a pastor. I pastored two churches. I was a children's pastor. I did a lot of things, but I had had a moment. I had fell into depression. I would fell into a lot of uh, just inner turmoil. And it took that man's testimony. Well, guess what? If Israel would look at what is going on with Hosea and his wife, oh, if he could go back and love on that wife, that prostitute, if God can go love on that guy who used to be a pastor and gave it all up to be to sell crack, but now he's even bigger in ministry. I'm not talking about big. I'm talking about more in depth and more deep in ministry and reaching these, these youth and reaching me. Whoa, that's a testimony. That is Hosea's testimony that should be speaking to Israel just like our testimony, how what God has done for you should speak to others. So I brought her back for 15. He bought, so I bought her back. Now, this is Hosea talking. For 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Because that was the going rate for a slave at the time. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days. Stop your prostitution. During this time, you will have no sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. This will show that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince and without sacrifice, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. At the time, they had stopped the sacrifice. The Levitical sacrifice had been suspended at that time. It was something that would meant something to Israel. When you come back in and God starts to restore you, there's a process. I've been going to this church for over a year. And there's been a process to even get me back to where I'm teaching again. There's been a process that, to where I w I've been working in the sound booth. There's been a process. God's been working on me to get me back where Rick needs to be. And I'm still not completely there because he's still working on me. Kind of like that song. He's still working on me. It's a children's song. And it's the truth. He's going to work on you to the day he's done with you and calls you home. Understand that. You'll get more of that in about two weeks. But God loves you enough. He will pay anything. That was a lot. That's showing that God will pay anything. Called his son, Jesus, to get you back. Or to get you. Or to even get you in the fold. He had 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. That's a lot of stuff for a prophet. Prophets weren't like profiting back then. Understand what I'm saying. They weren't making tons of money. And all of a sudden, he drops all of this to get his wife back, who's been a prostitute that had did nothing but fooled around on him, didn't really care about being his wife in the first place, but he said, love her like your wife and go get her back. But make her, 
It's going to take time, and y'all going to have to take time with each other. Y'all are going to have to build back into your relationship. You can't just jump back into your relationship. But soon you will be back into the intimacy of the relationship you started out with. When you come back or you get called into a relationship with God or you come home after you've ran away from that relationship, it takes time to build that intimacy back up with him. You can't just pick up the book and just start back where you are. It's going to take time. It's going to take some, some of God cleansing stuff out of you, getting you your mind back where it should be. That's what he's trying to show an example there. It's like, Israel, it's going to take time. You are my people again, but it's going to take time before we are intimate again. But we're going to be one day, and you're going to start offering sacrifices. There's going to be the priesthood again. There's going to be kings set before that I have put on the throne for you. That is going to happen again. But afterwards, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and David's descendant, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and his goodness. You know, it's a, it's a vicious circle. When we fall out of the grace, now, now let me say, I didn't say he, he's removed them. When we fall out of the graces of God and we find ourselves coming home, it is a vicious circle. And that realization will come back again in the last days. They will tremble in awe. I am in more awe of the Lord right now in the last month or so than I have been in a long, long time. Now I'm seeing him do things when I don't feel like I am, I am far from worthy, and I still feel like I'm far from worthy. You know, Paul said, I am the chief of these. I want to tell him, get out of my way. No, I am. But you know what? He paid the price for me. Just like he paid the price for you, 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 y'all. And every one of y'all out there. He paid the price. And that price is to bring you, one, into the fold, and two, to bring you something you may be having to be brought back into the fold, but he still loves you enough that intimacy will come about again, that same intimacy that you had when you were first born again. You can have that. Don't think you've gone too far. Well, the Lord ain't going to, he's gave up on me. He's already... I knew what I shouldn't have been doing. I No, bring your tail back home. Be like the prodigal son. He had enough sense to get home. He had enough sense to come home. He had enough sense to go to where he knew he could be provided for. He wasn't even looking to be called a son again, was he? He was looking, he was going to be a worker. He's going to be a, uh, uh, one of his father's workers is all he was looking to be. But no, he became the redeemed heir. The same thing with Hosea's wife. She was a prostitute. He went and sought her out and brought her back. Paid everything just as, as the Lord paid with the, the life of Jesus for us to bring us back into a relationship. It takes time, but that intimacy can be there. Because God wants relationship. How can you be a father without relationship with your children? Think about it. And it's not the lack from him. It's not. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Amen. So let's take this example, these first three chapters, and I know I skipped most of chapter two, but I wanted to get into three about how he redeemed the wife and he redeemed Israel and he redeems us. 
He don't give up on you. There might be some tough love, but he don't give up on you. Amen? Any questions? Comments? No comments? No questions? I was wondering if you were sick. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah. Sold. Yeah. Right. 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 No, we can't. The most time the obsession with working is because they want more money, because they want more things, because they want to have more like the other person, and that obsession is more, 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 instead of wanting more God. I look back on the example of when they were in the desert. Well, let's take it all the way back when they were led out of bondage. The miracles they saw time and time again. One, all the plagues. The Passover. Pharaoh finally says, get them out of here. They start heading toward... Uh, The Red Sea. The, I almost said the Jordan. I almost said the Persian Gulf. <laughs> the Red Sea. I'm hitting everything around in the Middle East. But heading toward the Red Sea, and they bump up against the Red Sea. They see the armies of Pharaoh coming after them. They watch Moses raise his staff, and uh, they didn't have dams in that time. But this was invisible dams. The, the whoosh. And it wasn't that, it said they walked across on what? Dry. And they walked across and they go, well, here comes the army. They're going, you know, they see that and they go, oh, God save me. Then they get to the other side and they look back and they go, oh, the army's halfway across. Oh, they're still going to get us. What's going on? And then, they, then the water swallows them and they're like, oh, God. And then God tries to give them the land, and they go, oh, they're full of giants. Well, you can't do it. I go, There's some of the whiniest people that saw such moves of God. We don't see. They should have had such faith. They're almost starving to death in the middle of the desert. And manna comes. Never been known of before or since. A food of, I mean, this food was brought down for them. And then they go, and then they get tired of it. God's, they got tired of God's provision to where God had to start sending quail every morning. And we wonder how people can slip. They saw the miracle of God for 40 years. 
day in and day out. They saw Mount Sinai lit up bigger than any fireworks we would ever see. They saw God's word come down on tablets, and they still, they're sitting there watching the fireworks go off. I see, I can just envision it, and they're still down there asking Aaron to get, you know, melt this thing into a calf. We humans are goofy, but God loves us so much he still gave his only begotten son. He still loves us. Amen? I mean, you look at everything, and we (laughs) he's pulled me out of stuff, and I still do goofy stuff. And I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Are Are we dead? Are we dead, Miss Jasmine? Yeah, we can. Y'all have a good evening. We're still we're going to talk, but anything else? But we just need to just keep understanding that these people saw the hand of God move more than we ever have. And they still doubt it. They still had issues. 